darkness. All spiritual journeys start in the dark. But some will finish in the light. We all start in the dark. Darkness is one of those things that, number one, I don't like dark. I like always a little light. But, you know, there's times when our kids were small and I would get up before anybody else would get up. And and I didn't want to wake anybody up because everybody was sleeping. And that was a good thing. And so I I tried to get up in the dark. I wouldn't cut a light on because light kind of has a way of waking people up. So I, I would kind of know where the table was, and I'd know where the door was, and I'd make it down the hallway because I knew where the walls were, and I'd kind of make sure it was okay because it's dark. And the one thing I couldn't see in the dark was one of my kids left a little piece of Lego in the floor. And I, with just barefooted, stepped on that sucker, and then I screamed and woke everybody up because the things you just don't see in the dark. And they have a way of getting you. In our spiritual journey, darkness is a bad place to be. Because we can't get where we're supposed to be in the light. So, all journeys start there. And I want to talk about one journey today that, that uh, Jesus helped a guy work through his darkness. So, uh, Here's what I know. A conversation about religion and relationship with God is the first step to a new beginning. It's the first step into the light. So let's take a look at this conversation. It happened in the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And we begin reading, there was a man named Nicodemus. He was a Jewish religious leader. That's three powerful words in their culture. He was Jewish. That was a big deal to the Jewish community. He was religious. That was a very big deal. And he was a leader. He was a model. He was an example that everybody wanted to emulate and be like. And so Nicodemus was, was, a, was a guy that would be at the church every time the doors was open. He was the guy that everybody respected and held in high esteem. However, he also was a Pharisee. And he had some problems working through where he was and where Jesus was coming from. So after dark one evening, when nobody could recognize him or see him, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you. He said, I mean, I know you're different. He sent you to teach us. And he said, I've listened to your words, and they have power and authority. He understood. He'd watched Jesus and heard Jesus communicate tremendous truth in such a way that people were drawn to it. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Watch what you've done, man. You've done some miraculous things that only God can do. You've healed the blind. You've cleansed the leper. You've done all these amazing things, miraculous. So you have to be from God. Next verse, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. He knows what we're thinking. And Nicodemus is trying to figure out if he's going to get to go to heaven. He's heard some things Jesus said, and it's bothered him. He's troubled by it enough to go visit Jesus. And so, here's Jesus. I want to tell you, I tell you the truth, the absolute truth. 
unless you are born again, born from above, a spiritual birth, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't see it. You won't see it in eternity, and you'll miss it here. Nicodemus said, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? How does this happen? I'm an old guy. I can't become a baby again. I will never get back in my mother's womb again. I don't understand what you're asking. Next verse. Jesus replied, I assure you, powerful word, I assure you. Meaning this is another absolute. No wiggle room. No maybe. No, this is absolute. I assure you. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Now, some people take this verse and do some really weird things with it. Uh, It's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about physical birth. For all you women that had a child, you understand this term, my water has broken. That means there was a (laughs) water break so the birth would, would, would move to its conclusion. So here's the thing. You've got to be born physically before you can be born spiritually. If you do not exist physically, there's no reason to have a spiritual birth. He's just being logical with Nicodemus. He's saying, understand you have to have a physical birth, Nicodemus, but you don't need another physical birth. You need a spiritual birth. You don't need to go back into your mother's womb. You need to have a different kind of birth, a birth of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life, God life, not like human life at all, God life. Next verse. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. This is, this is, this is obvious, Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or from where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. He said, Nicodemus, I understand. It's kind of hard to understand. It's like the wind. The wind just starts. You see the evidence of the wind. You see the trees moving. You see things happening, but you don't necessarily know if it's, is that where's the wind coming from, and, and where did it start blowing like this, and where's it going to conclude? Could it be coming from the north or the east, or did it start in the south and change direction? There's all kind of things about the wind that we don't necessarily understand, but he said, you see the results. And this is what happens. The, the Spirit of God shows up. Not all, it can, I can't explain it, but it blows across a person's life. He is the breath that breathes on someone with conviction about their need for a Savior, with, about their concern for judgment one day before God. And the Holy Spirit begins to breathe across someone's life, if you will causing them to think, to hear, and to examine themselves. That's what's happening with, that's exactly what's happening with Nicodemus. He's examining himself. He's saying, man, I, I do all this stuff. I, I'm very religious, and, and I don't understand. Next verse. Now, how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. Nicodemus, I'm telling you the truth. 
I've told you three times it's the truth, and you still don't believe me. You keep trying to figure out how to make it work your way. Because Nicodemus was very religious, man. He was the guy that had Bible verses on his robe. He was at church all the time. He would make sure he was always trying to keep all the rules. Uh, He was preoccupied with trying to do the right things to be right with God. Because that's what religion requires. It requires that you do all the work. Any religion you want to pick in the world, they start with you got to do this stuff. You got to keep these rules. You got to do this ritual. You got to do this ceremony. But what Jesus was saying is he's done the work to make people right with God. He's going to talk about that in verse 16. He's going to explain that. That I. That God's got a plan. God's already worked it out. You just need to believe it and receive it. For if you believe, you can have eternal life. You can see the kingdom of God. You see, Nick was a Pharisee, man, religious, legalistic, and his view was so opposite that of Jesus. He was convinced that appearances and achievements and measuring everyone by the rules with the way you would impress God. Yet, God's not impressed with how we look and what we've achieved and the rules we keep. He's not impressed. He's not moved by that at all. So we get this. So we look and we say, uh, Jesus taught that spiritual birth was work only God could do. And Nicodemus was stirred by the fact that sinners would just follow Jesus and hang on his every word. And he would see amazing things happen with people that would be screened out by the Pharisees. You see, religion doesn't need God. It just needs more works, more ways of humanly measuring achievement. Religion strives for innocence, not for forgiveness. It strives to be better than everyone else, to be better than most, but not to ever be forgiven. Rituals and ceremonies are the process to justify oneself before God. Here's what I've done. Here's what I can do. Here's what I bring to the table. But that's not how it really works. And religious opinions become unbearable burdens to people. They're just opinions. There's no truth to them. And yet people wear them all the time and are burdened by them, weary because of them, trying to keep the rules, trying to make the expectations, and yet still have no favor with God. But they try, and they try, and they try. Do you know there are 1.7 billion Muslims in the country? And I say in the world, it's in the world, in 51 countries. Their purpose is to find favor with God. Some go about it with horrific violence. Some go about it with deception. Some go about it with benevolence. They are sincere. They are dedicated. They are committed. They understand the rules and requirements of their religion. And they are to worship Allah as God alone. And they are, their goal in life is to convert the world to Islam. Make no mistake. Because if they can convert the world to Islam and eliminate any competition and eliminate the infidels, of which they consider Christians, then they find favor with God. 
Incidentally, still not sure they'll go to heaven. But they find favor with God. And they are patient and dedicated. But the bottom line is, that's just a religion. There's no spiritual birth. There's no change of the heart. And there is no light of truth. They still operate in the dark. And that's why they do what they do. They are in the dark. They need to meet Jesus. You say, ah, well, that's true about those Muslims. Well, wait, it's also true about a lot of church members in America that show up every Sunday in various denominations and try to be the best they can be, try to impress the pastor or the leadership, try to do the right things and try to check off the right boxes, and yet they don't have a relationship with Christ. They've never had a spiritual birth. They've had an awareness of religion. They're trying to keep the rules and do the stuff, and yet they have no genuine power from within that changes a life from inside out. So Nicodemus is saying, I'm struggling. I think I'm doing all this stuff, and everybody tells me it's right, but something's missing. And for you that may be sitting here today and you've struggled all your life to be good, to be a good Baptist or a good Presbyterian or a good Methodist or or a good person or whatever denomination, and yet there's something always been missing. And you try harder and you work at it more. And the more you work at it, the more something's missing. May I say to you, that which is missing is a spiritual birth. It's the reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what you find is you can't achieve your salvation by what you do or what you conquer. You can't be right with God because of your achievements. You can only be right with God because of what he's done to make you right through his son, Jesus Christ. People must be born again, born from above. Spiritual life is not a human achievement. It's orchestrated, energized by the Holy Spirit. Salvation is God's work. Grace is the process. Our part in the process is to inform people, not to screen them, but to inform them and share with them and talk with them. And Nicodemus was a man who was committed to his religion, like so many people are today. Religion, denomination, and yet there's no spiritual birth. I will remind you when you say, well, that's those people, you know, those Muslims are different. Can I remind you, the Jews are the ones that crucified Christ, the Pharisees, because they were trying to find favor with God. The darkness is a horrible place to live because you always end up doing the wrong things and ending up in the wrong place. It's easy to do. It doesn't matter what all you do if you miss what only God can do. Second thing is this. The only way one can go to heaven is to believe God has done everything one needs to go to heaven. That's what he told Nicodemus. Hey, you're trying to figure out if you're going to go to heaven. I'm going to tell you, unless you're born again, you're not going to get there. And there comes a time where we have to have this conversation with people. And we talk to them because they don't want a presentation. They want a conversation about your faith and about your life and about how it can relate to them. They want to talk 
and ask questions, and they want you to listen. And so we begin a conversation that hopefully will take people from religion to a relationship with Christ. And hopefully they realize it doesn't matter all the stuff you do. It simply matters what God has done through the person of Jesus Christ, His only Son. That He would die on the cross to pay for the sins that we could never pay for, no matter how good we can try to be. John 3 verse 14 says this, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you understand? The illustration of the Old Testament was that they got bit by poisonous snakes because they had disobeyed God. They had sinned. And the penalty for sin is death. And yet, God in His grace and mercy said, I want to give them an option to death. I want to give them a chance to live. And so He said, put up a bronze serpent that, was, that would be uh, reminding them of sin, and they would look upon that, and by faith they would not die. Just as surely as a symbol for what brought death to the camp of the Israelites, Christ was lifted up on a cross to become sin for every person that's ever been born. For every person in this room, he became sin for you and for me. He took on our stuff, our ugliness, our sin. And so in the process, if I will believe, meaning I'll trust him and what he's done is enough, I will have eternal life. Because God's desire is to love us so much that he would take care of what we can't do if we'll believe and trust and receive it. You see, so he made it clear that there's nothing I can do that gets me right with him. Nothing. But he's done everything that can make me right in the person of Christ. And the cross is where the blood covers our sin. And it makes us right with God. This is what happens. And the one without sin died for everyone who has sinned. You can't do enough good deeds or keep enough rules or follow enough rituals to change God's mind about your condition. We are in the darkness, and we have to come to the person of Christ to walk into the light. We have to come to the cross and with a childlike faith embrace everything that it means about me and about God and about eternal life. Jesus has done all you need to change your life and destiny. He's done it all for you. He's just waiting on you to receive it. It's an act of faith, responding to an incredible grace. But what about Nicodemus? On that conversation in John 3, he left. He didn't resolve anything that day. He didn't make a decision. He didn't pray a prayer. He didn't do anything. He left perplexed somewhat troubled because he came hoping to find the answer he wanted only to hear the only answer he needed and that was you must be born again. He wanted to be told, man, you're great. You're good, Nicodemus. You got all the rules. You got all the ceremony. You got all the clothing. You're good. He wasn't told that. He was told, Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's an emptiness in your life you can't fill with religion. Good stuff. Won't do. And he left 
I got to believe perplexed. And from that day forward, as weeks would pass and people would talk about Jesus and his peers would talk about Jesus and, and he would sometimes hear what was happening with Jesus and the people that were being transformed and the lives that were being changed. And he's hearing this. I want to tell you something. When you share truth with people, it doesn't stop because they walk out of the room. It doesn't stop because you walk out of those doors today. It stays with you. And sometimes in the night, as you try to go to sleep, you remember what you've heard. And it begins to bother you and trouble you. You go, oh. And you begin to understand that you need to be born again. Nicodemus wrestled with this. And he would hear things. And maybe his peers would be critical of Jesus. And he's saying, I don't know what to say, man. Can't imagine what his days were like, hearing truth and yet not accepting it. But that's what we do. We share truth with our friends and people we meet, and the Holy Spirit does his work. That's what we do. We don't change people. We don't convert people. We just share truth, and we leave it to the Lord. Well, Nicodemus never forgot that conversation. Well, how did it end? John 19, verse 38, takes us now to the cross. Jesus has died. It comes time to take his body off the cross. And a guy named Joseph of Arimathea, verse 38, came and took the body of Jesus away. And verse 39 is pretty important. With him came Nicodemus. Now you think, is that the same one? John wants to make sure you know it's the same one. You ready? Because here's what he says. Okay, he says this. The man who came to Jesus at night, the one who came, didn't want to be recognized, didn't want to be identified, who came to meet with Jesus and have a conversation that would forever begin to change his life, began the journey of leading the darkness into the light. This Nicodemus came with Joseph and said, I want to help bury this man because I've come to realize what he told me was true. I'm not ashamed to be seen with him now. I'm not ashamed to identify with him. This man told me the truth, and I believe this was Nicodemus's public confession. I think he embraced Christ. The one who came in the darkness of night now appears in the light. Nicodemus came to the cross. Nicodemus finally got it. Have you? Have you got it? 